Hello, hello, here's Aggie coming to you from Broadcast Team Alpha and the uh, Paranormal World Show. We're coming to you from 44 different platforms around the world, including the one on the Conscious Awakening Network. Folks, you got to go over to Conscious Awakening Network and have a look because they have close to 50 different shows on there on subjects that all of us want to know about. So here's their website, consciousawakeningnetwork.org. And if you are watching us on YouTube right now, that's the place to be, because that's the only place we are watching and monitoring the chat room. And uh, all the other platforms, they, uh, they may have a chat room, but we are not looking at it. So, and also, if you like what you hear and see here, the uh, the super chat is open. Okay, well, I want to talk to you a little bit about the German flying discs or the round airplanes. Yeah, this is kind of a controversial issue because um, a lot of people said, nah, they never did anything like that. And yes, they did. They had round airplanes. Not now. But 80 years ago, and that was the Nazis. You see, the Germans had their own Roswell in 1936. There was a rather big craft that crashed in Bavaria in uh, southeastern Germany. And uh, they, uh, the Germans didn't know what to do with it. They were a strange airplane, yeah, that's obvious. And it was a strange alloy. They had problems getting into it. They couldn't get into it for quite a while until they finally did get in and they found occupants. It is um, unclear to me if um, they were alive or if they were dead. It uh, didn't say. It uh, one place that talks of bodies, but there could be some live ones too, so we don't really know. And this craft was taken not to be given to the Luftwaffe or the Air Force of Germany. It was given to the Thule Society and the Black Sun. These are secret societies, um, kind of like the Freemasons here. The foot soldiers, they don't really know anything, but the higher-ups, they are supporting a very dark agenda. And uh, in fact, Adolf Hitler himself was a member of the Tula Society since 1919. And, uh, and this is the information that I was able to glean from some of the papers that um, Colonel Wendell Stevens gave me here in Tucson. I uh, interviewed him two or three times on my TV shows here, and I was over at his house, and we uh, looked through some papers. Some of them were written in German, and he didn't speak German, so I helped him with some of that. And <clears throat> it was some very interesting stuff. The, uh, the Germans, they were the first ones to create a rocket that could go into space. They were the first ones to create the jet engine. 
before the American had any clue what it was. They also created synthetic fuel. And you know, the oil companies, they didn't like that at all. And then they created their own money. They did not go on bended knee to the Rothschilds and the other 11 or 12 different owners of the, uh, the global system of the central banks to borrow the money. No, they had their own money. And of course, the Rothschilds didn't like that either. So they had to get rid of Germany. And uh, yeah, they were also created the first ballistic missile, the Reef Space, in 1942. And they had been there with the other craft, the round craft, before that missile. And uh, there was a lady, Maria Ortisius, or Maria Orsic is what they're calling her in the United States. She was channeling information from an entity over in the Aldebaran star system. And he had told her that, I will give you this information technical information so you can build a craft and come and visit us. Okay. So she started channeling. She saw things. So she drew what she saw and she heard voices and she wrote down her voices. But there was in a foreign language some of it was in cuneiform. So um, we wonder why that was. So when they got this information, the technical drawings and everything together from this uneducated girl, everybody laughed at her. But then she was able to get in front of a high-ranking German officer who had had, you know, at least a little bit of information about science. So he looked at that and he said, wait a minute, there may be something here. So he brought it in front of scientists and they got all excited. They wanted to talk to the, the author of the drawings. <clears throat> so now she was introduced to the German scientists and they started working on this. And that later on became the Haunabu crafts. The Haunabus are about the only ones I really want to talk about because there are others before that. There were also round airplanes, but kind of no big deal because they, some of them had jet engines in the body or underneath. So yeah, they were pretty fast, but they couldn't go into space. They uh, couldn't do much, except <clears throat> but what an airplane would do. So if we look at what the Haunabu was able to do, it was put together by the high-ranking German scientific mind and kept totally secret. 
And uh, just hang in here. I'm going to give you the specs on some of those, those crafts. The speeds and the altitude and how many could be on board and stuff. I'm just going to give it to you in a little bit. But the Germans, they were smart people. They also knew that after they started the, the Second World War, they also knew there was a chance they could lose. So they started looking around to create a base and a place that would be totally safe. And they found one in Antarctica. They called it Base 211. It is located in the uh, in uh, the Muhlig Hoffman Mountains in Queen Maud's land. Not a, not a lot of people know that. They know Queen Maud's land, but that's a big area. <clears throat> and uh, how do we know that? Well, because there are papers speaking about it. And they were, uh, this program of evacuating all the more important stuff out of Germany was given to Karl Dönitz, Navy Grand Admiral Karl Dönitz. And he said in a speech one time, the German submarine fleet is proud to have built for the Fuhrer in another part of the world, a Shangri-La, an unimpenetrable fortress. That was the one in Antarctica. Let me talk a little about the, uh, the Hallebus. <laughs> Because there's so much information and disinformation on it. This is what I got from the uh, papers that I found at Colonel Wendell Stevens's house. We had a Halnebu one, two, three, and four. <clears throat> the Halnebu one was 26 meters wide. The first one flew in 1939. It was driven by a Thule Taconator 7B engine. They had steering with a magnetic directional impulse drive. They could do about 5,000 kilometers an hour. <laughs> the hull was a double hull with cooling in it. <coughs> Sorry about that. Got a tickle in my throat. <coughs> okay. Then a, a, a crew of eight. <coughs> they had test flights. Maybe that will help. Okay. They, the craft was unstable, so it kept crashing on them. So they gave up on it. Now, underneath the craft, they had two pounds of turret. That is the, the top of a, of a tank. They turned it upside down and bolted it to the underneath side of it. So they could use it 
as a, a gun turret. You remember the picture that Adamski took of the alien spacecraft back in the 1950s? They looked exactly like the Hanubu one, because they were. The people that Adamski talked to were Germans. He also said they had German accents. And then we have the Hanubu two. Also 26 meters in diameter. That's about 76 feet. And it was called the V7. It had also a two-litectonator 7C engine. And a steering was done by a magnetic directional impulse generator and a gyroscope. The speed could be about 6,000 kilometers an hour. That is about 13,000 miles an hour. And the hull, that was double hull with cooling. And the metal was upgraded and they called it the Victalian metal. It had a crew of nine people. And the armament was uh, six cannons. They also had something they called the Pristron Motorstoppel tube. And in one of the test flights I, uh, I read about, they went from the surface straight up to 60,000 feet in three minutes. That is not possible, even with the most powerful engines on airplanes. Now, this, the armament of the Pristron tubes, the Motorstoppel, that was a directional EM pulse. When they came behind an aircraft, they aimed the Motorstoppel at the aircraft and triggered it, they shot an EM pulse at the airplane and fried all the electronics in the airplane. So when the electronics went, engines went, radios went out and down you go. Then we have the Hanebu three, the diameter of 71 meters or 232 feet. They also had the Taconator 7C drive. And the steering was done a magnetic field directional impulse, and they had no gyro in this one. The speed was 7,000 to 40,000 kilometers an hour. 40,000. They had a double hole with a Victalian metal again with cooling inside. And uh, it was totally unclear what the cooling fluid was. I have no idea. They had a crew of 32 people and it was used very much so for evacuation 
from Germany down to the uh, 211 base in Antarctica. There were 19 test flights before they put into operation. 19 test flights with no crashes. And then there was the very, oh, questioned Hanabu 4. It was 120 meters across. And that is about 393 feet from edge to edge. They used this one to go to the moon. In fact, the Hanabu 3 also went to the moon. But they, in the Tahanabe 4, they also sent on a trip to Mars. Now, what it is written on that is that they sent it to Mars with a crew of, I, I don't, it may have said, I'm not sure if I remember, but a full crew to Mars. And after a little while, they never heard from them again. They lost contact. Now, it could very well be because they did something different on the Hanabu 4. They replaced the fluid inside of Diagoke or the bell or the drive system because the bell that was in the center of the round airplane that created the bubble of gravity nullification around the craft. They had red mercury in that fluid. And in fact, a red mercury is uh, there is um, how should I say this? very likely was also used in the Vimana that they talk about in India nine to 12,000 years ago because they found red mercury. And in the writings in India, they talk about red mercury as being used in the Vimana. So now the question is, where did the Germans get the information from? Did they get it from Maria Ortiz's? And from the one in Aldebaran, or did they get it from India? I don't know. They got it from somewhere. This glocker, this bell, it's got two cylinders, one inside the other one. And one rotate one way, and the inside one rotate the other way. They have fluid between them under pressure. And inside the walls, there are magnets in the out and the inside rim. They are rotating about 30,000 or more RPM. And that creates the gravity nullification bubble around the craft. So... In the Hanabu 4, they replaced the mercury with heavy water. 
that is deuterium or D2O. <laughs> D2O, that is radioactive water. It's slightly heavy, heavier than regular water. That's why if you put it in a container and spin water, <coughs> excuse me, spin it, then the D2O will slowly go out and get assembled at the edge of the water so you can drain it off. That's D2O, which they used in the uh, in the drive on the Hana before. Now, what they didn't realize also that there was a lot of people that died working on this in the factories because is radioactive. They didn't understand how bad it was. So also people got killed from it, but also the metal got brittle a lot faster, so it broke a lot faster. That may have been why they lost contact with the Hana before going to Mars. So uh, I guess when we get to Mars again, maybe we'll find something. But you never know. I uh, I know there is a base on Mars. The, the Germans are there. The, uh, the dark side of the American government is there. Secret space program talk about this all the time. And I'm sure many of you have heard of it. So... I think I'm going to leave it at that for right now. There was a little thing that I just had to do. I needed to read the specs on the German flying discs, the Haunabu, because that is something that hardly anybody talks about, and this is kind of important. It's a kind of a history a little bit, because history has been rewritten to contain mostly lies. But this comes from German documents that was written in about 1940, 41, 39, 43. So they come from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Anyway, so until then, please subscribe and we will see you in the next video.